Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, for another incredible week of the Max Potential Habits podcast. This week, I am beyond thrilled to have on one of my all-time favorite authors. And I'm not kidding when I say this. This is a woman who has massively transformed my life through her work. Her main mentor, or one of her prominent mentors, is one that I have followed. She was the first book I read, which was Debbie Ford, and the book is The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And if you've been following me for a long time, you've heard me talk about that book. I've also talked about Nancy Levin, who is our guest today. She is a best-selling author and a master coach. And I'm going to skip past all of the amazing things she's done because we're going to talk about it on the podcast. And her bio will be in the link in the show notes. You'll get to see everything there. We are going to have a really powerful conversation about boundaries. And all of you know that I've talked about my three pillars in building a successful life and business are personal power, women, relationships, and money mastery. Well, Nancy's book, Worthy, which if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. It's called Worthy. Boost Your Self-Worth to Grow Your Net Worth is one of the first money books I read that helped me go from food stamps to six figures in my business. So you're definitely going to want to read that. And beyond that, her boundary work, her relationship books are life-altering. She gives a ton of action steps in all of her books, and she's just... I, I can't wait for you to get to know her. The last thing I want to say before I introduce her, she's sitting right here smiling and I can't wait to introduce <laughs> her. <laughs> I want to say I met her actually through a podcast and you all know how much I love podcasting. That's why I have a podcast. I was listening to a podcast and I heard her say this book, it's from one of her books, honor the space between no longer and not yet. And to me, we are often in a transitional space. And that quote, I, I stopped the podcast, I wrote it down, and I meditated on it all day. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is that is very, very powerful. And that's what led me to reading all of her books, because I said, if that woman has, says that quote in that powerful way, in this right moment, I know I need to read more and get to know her. And then I added her to my list of dream people to have on this podcast, and here she is today. So welcome to the show, Nancy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm like gushing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You deserve it. You're amazing. And you're a boundary badass. So first, let's talk about your backstory. You know, for the people, for my listeners who don't know you yet, what what brought you onto this journey of becoming a best-selling author in the world of, of boundaries, relationships, personal growth and development, all of those wonderful things that you help people with? So this part of the story really originates with a blow-up contentious divorce. <laughs> so I was in an 18-year marriage and was really operating from the place of managing the perception of others, people-pleasing, bending over backwards, peacekeeping, not rocking the boat. And I didn't want anyone to see what was going on behind closed doors in my marriage. Mm -hmm. So I was in a marriage with a very abusive man, who was a rager and I, as a coping mechanism, stayed very quiet, stayed very silent. And yet at the same time that, that this is all happening in my marriage, I was the event director for Hay House Publishing. 
So for 12 years, I was the event director touring the world with the greatest authors, thinkers, teachers in the field of self-empowerment. Very close with Louise Hay, Debbie Ford, as you mentioned, Wayne Dyer, you name it. And I wasn't really able to let their teachings land in me until I was in my own rock bottom crisis. So the rock bottom crisis in my life came in the form of my being on the way home from from a, a an event with Hay House to essentially discover that my husband of eight year, of eighteen years had read my journals, and the long story short of that is that what he discovered in the journals was that I had had an affair eight years prior. And this was really my, what I often say is, you know, I set a bomb to detonate eight years later because I was in a place in my own life where I couldn't tell the truth to myself, let alone to anyone else. So that woman at the time back in 2000, having mm -hmm. an affair, didn't have the capacity to be able to say to the man she was married to, hey, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. So when we don't tell the truth to ourselves, the truth will come out and it will come out sideways. Mm -hmm. So it will come out in illness or self-destruction, but it will come out. And so with the with the uh, discovery of the affair being out in the open, my marriage essentially began imploding and I was, I spent two years post the discovery of my journals, trying to keep the marriage together, doing everything I could, mostly because I was really fearing any sort of exposure. So he had threatened, I'm going to make copies of pages of your journal and share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, and let's see what they think when they know the real Nancy. And the truth is, I didn't even want to know the real Nancy at that time. So I certainly didn't want anyone else to know. So this began my this began my own personal journey of being able to really look at what had occurred in my own life what were the patterns what were the dots that started connecting being able to go with the support and help of my dear friend and mentor the late debbie ford going all the way back to childhood being able to see the the being able to see the trajectory from being born into a family where my brother, who was older than I, had been very ill, and he died when I was two years old. And really, the imprints of his death were the most significant of my life and painted the picture for me of what I ended up attracting, you know, in terms of beliefs that became about, uh, first of all, if I'm imperfect, like he is, I will die. Mm -hmm. So thus begins the quest for perfectionism. Um, my mother and I have had an adult conversation where she said to me, you know, I didn't attach to you when you were born because I was waiting to see what was wrong with you. So this whole, you mm -hmm. know, another belief of there must be something wrong with me if I'm under this much scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, you know, better to be self-sufficient and independent and have no needs because his needs were greater than mine, you mm -hmm. know, things like that. And then I really spent a good part of my young life trying to heal a grief in my parents that could never be healed. Yeah. And then the, the piece around 
you know, not enoughness. You know, I now need to be more than just me. I need to take up the space of me and this lost child. I need to be more for my parents than just what I am. So all of this, you know, is gets right. All of this goes in the soup and we all have some version of this. We all have some version of, you know, a significant event in childhood that we couldn't process and digest in a healthy way. So we made it mean something about us. We started drawing conclusions about ourselves. This is where the shadow beliefs originate because we are unable to, we're we're unable to process it in any other way. And then these are the beliefs that start driving the bus of our lives. And, And because beliefs are magnetic, we will draw toward us you know, what we will draw toward us, what we believe. So, you know, fast forward to even the day I met my ex-husband, my now ex-husband, you know, it was as if he said to me on day one, hi, I'm broken. And I yeah. said, well, great. I am superwoman. I will fix you. Perfect <laughs> and, <fit. laughs> right, perfect and that's what yeah. happened, you know, so as, yeah. as we became more enmeshed, I was sublimating all of my needs to serve all of his and that was the dynamic in our in our marriage and in our relationship and because i didn't know a way to get out i did what i i did the only thing i knew how to do at the time so you know i'm not here being this advocate for infidelity but it's 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 my truth and it's yeah. what i did at that time and it's what it is actually what gave me the ability to set myself free ultimately, because I would have stayed in that marriage. I would still be there bending over backwards, you know, bleeding out, doing everything I could for everyone else and paying no attention to the degree to which I was abandoning myself. So the greatest thing was really discovering that the people I feared revealing myself to the most were the ones who rallied around me the fiercest. Mm-hmm. And so with the support of Debbie Ford, Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, Reed Tracy, who's the president and CEO of Hay House, a very dear friend, my family, you know, with the support of, of others, I started to then understand asking for help is not a weakness. Asking yeah. for help is really how I can learn to draw on the strength of others and the wisdom of others. And so they, I really, I picture it like they built a scaffolding around me as I rebuilt myself. Mm. And so, so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there's so many things I want to say. You, I know you probably don't know my backstory. So I left my 15 year marriage, 17 year relationship through having an affair. And I do was, know because I cyber stalked you about Oh, not well, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and it's there, right? And I and that was my entry into this whole path. And so I see it as the greatest gift yeah. that there ever was. And you know, for me, I've gotten to have a really lovely recovery with my ex. Like we're having dinner together tonight and we have family dinners and yep. we're really close and it actually brought us a lot closer. And it wasn't like that at first, of course, yeah. but the shame and the guilt yes. and all of that stuff. And I love how you talk about, you know, at the time you didn't have the skills to say this isn't working. And I didn't either. I didn't have yeah. the skills to say this marriage isn't working. I need to move on. And instead I did it the only way I knew how to blow it up. <laughs> and it's, you know, so I, I, I do a lot of shadow work, right? And I don't know if you know, John Demartini, very, I, I don't, he's, he's also a house author. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he would ever call himself a shadow worker, but it really is what his method is. And so to me, there's a lot of alignment between Debbie Ford and his work. Mm-hmm. 
And it is the work that has set me free by seeing that shadow side and realizing that the closest people to you are going to embrace all parts of you, not just the ones where you put on the mask and look like you're perfect. <laughs> exactly. And you can go deeper when you actually are fully re revealed to the best of your capabilities. Yeah, because most of us go through our lives thinking the only way I'm going to be loved and accepted is if I hide this part of myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the crazy thing is that we're also going through our lives saying, I just want to be loved and accepted for the truth of who I am. Totally. And yet we are so, we're so conditioned to not reveal the truth. We're so conditioned to yeah. create the mask and the cape and the armor. Yeah. And the, the love, uh, to me, something that's been so incredible working with such a wide variety of people, you know, all the way from I've worked with prisoners all the way to multi multimillionaires. We all have the same stuff going on. All totally. of us, you know, and we think that we're the only ones and we're thinking, oh, I'm the only one hiding this really shameful thing. Could be a money belief. It could be right. a relationship issue. It could be your parenting style. It could be a substance addiction, all different kinds of things, but we're all going through it and it all causes the same amount of shame that perpetuates that cycle. So it's been such profound work to, you know, go through your books, Debbie Ford's, all of the great teachers to me that are balancing that out and helping you yes. own your shadow parts. I, it's to me the most, some of the most powerful work. I would agree. I do. Yes. Okay. So that's how you got onto this path. And it, it was that when you wrote your very first book, I know jump came so, after that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, my, my, I filed for divorce in 2010 uh -huh. And then in 2011, I published my first book, which is a book of poetry called Writing for My Life. Okay. Yeah, that's and the one I don't have yet. <laughs> you need to get that one. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and that book even, you know, so like the real transition out of my job as the event director at Hay House, which was my dream job. I thought I would die in that job. Never in a million years did I think I would ever leave. And then as I was going through my divorce, I wrote a poem that friends of mine at Hay House were getting married and they asked me to write a poem to read during their ceremony. I have a master's mm -hmm. in poetry, we should say. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to write this poem. And so if the irony of here I am going through my divorce and here I am writing and reading this poem during their wedding ceremony. And Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House heard this poem and he was like, oh, you're like a real poet. And I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, I want you to start sharing pieces of your poetry while you are emceeing the I Can Do It conferences. So back in the day, we did these big, several thousand, thousands of people conferences. And he said, you know, as you're introducing the keynote speakers, mm. I want you to also share parts of your poems. So this was this was radical to me because it's, I have no problem being on stage. That was no issue. Yeah. Very different to introduce someone or, yeah. you know, give the announcement about the lunch break than it is to sort of, you know, bear my soul. Yeah. <laughs> but as I, as I, and, and really also this is where, this is where the process really began for me of being able to take center stage and own it. You know, really own, really own my, my value in being there, my deservingness and my worth in being there, as opposed to being the one who's shown the light on everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so this was the beginning of that real transition for me to, to really 
be in the fullness of me. And so from that, he, you know, he was like, why don't you, you know, you should publish a book where Hay House isn't going to publish it. It's poetry. So I self-published my first book. I then began to do, to do some speaking. So, you know, I, Reed was like, program yourself into the conferences. And, you know, the next thing I knew I'm doing breakouts and keynotes and the whole thing and doing sort of both at the same time, speaking and producing the events. And then when I was on the other side of my divorce with enough, you know, bandwidth to process, Reed said to me, you know, you should really write a real book now. <laughs> and that's, that's where jump and your life will appear came. You know, it's really the 10 step process of making a major change using, using my divorce as my through line. And then I self-published that book as well. And then um, shortly after it was self-published, Hay House picked it up, which was amazing. So awesome. And then they're, they're, on, they're on my dream list of publishers for my yes. book. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I want to say this to listeners because I think it's so important. Something that is the subtext of what you're saying is when you show up authentically with people who are pulling you up, they will, they, they have the power to help you see in yourself what you aren't quite there and capable of seeing yet. Yes. You know, so I, say, like, I mean, I, I say this amazing. to many of my coaching clients, right? Like, even if you don't believe, simply just believe that I believe. Yes. <laughs> I can yes. see and hold a vision for you that you may not be able to hold for yourself right now. And yeah. I do feel fortunate that I have had people in my life be able to hold that vision for me that I could not see at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so powerful. And it's like, I, I telling people it's really important to spend time with people who are pulling you up, not bringing you down, yes. you know, the law of attraction, thinking about the way that we magnetize to us, what we want to become and who we are seeing ourselves as currently. And so it's always, I think that stretch zone where I go, you know, I, I've gotten to spend time with people I would have never imagined that I could spend time with now you know, five years ago, two years yeah. ago, even. Yeah. And, and it's so important, you know, for everyone listening, if you're in that space going, I don't, I don't know who to spend time with, find a coach, find a, a group, go on meetups and find a group that's doing something in the personal growth and development realm, all of those things to start to surround yourself with people who are on the path of wanting to improve themselves, expand their consciousness, become better with boundaries, become better with self-love, you know, I, I think it's the path, you know, investing that time and energy in yourself and spending time with powerful people is yeah. one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. So, okay. So let's talk boundaries. I mean, I could, I, I want to have you on for, to talk about every single one of your books because <laughs> they're all absolutely incredible. I know you have a new book coming out. So for everyone listening, Nancy has a new book coming out called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. And the, oh, I wrote it down somewhere on here. Oh, it's the ultimate guide to truth telling, creating connection and finding freedom. How good does that sound? <laughs> I love it. So boundaries to me are, I think something that when you shift from being a people pleaser in the kind of codependent spectrum, you shift into understanding that boundaries are your freedom and it really, they set you free. I mean, what an incredibly perfect name for your book. So share with us first, what, what's your definition of a boundary? How do you look at boundaries? I look at boundaries as our limits around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate mm -hmm. and will or will not accept. So okay. we have to, for ourselves, know where where that line is 
first of all, the line between where I end and you begin, mm-hmm. which is something, and let's, let's just face it. I, I went into a deep dive on boundaries and wrote a book on boundaries because Lord knows I didn't even know what the hell a boundary was for most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I find that is the case with most people. And Me we too. have this idea that boundaries are bad or yeah. that if I set a boundary, I'm a bitch yeah. or, you know, that boundaries are somehow, you know, like this. Yeah. And it, it's not so much about the keeping out. It's actually more about carefully choosing and consciously curating what to bring in, what to mm-hmm. allow here. Yeah. And so it has to begin with, it has to begin with self-love, self-respect, self-care. It has to begin with self-inquiry. It has to begin with that truth-telling piece. And the truth-telling always has to begin here and really realizing the way in which most of us have lived very other referenced lives. Mm-hmm. So we, it's almost like I only know, I only even know that I exist because of the outline you make around me. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's powerful. I love that. And uh, what you're saying I hear in there is shaping your life through the eyes of others. Yes. Shaping your decisions and what, yeah. uh, yeah. And every, you know, thinking about relationships, intimate relationships, even business relationships, colleagues, the way we show up with our bosses, the way we show up with our team members, clients, it affects every single area. If you aren't a master with your boundaries, you call it being a boundary badass or boundary badassery. I love it. (laughs) Then you're going to struggle in all those areas because you're going to take on too much work. I want you to share, but I, you know, I noticed for me, the better I get at setting boundaries, my life just gets easier and easier and easier. And I'm way less resentful because I'm setting boundaries. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. the number one way, you know, you are not, that you are in need of setting boundaries is that your resentment is overflowing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, the resentment builds ultimately because we're abandoning ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some important points to make here around boundaries are first that it's no one else's job to uphold our boundaries. So this is a biggie because yes, I really pause deserve- everyone and write yeah. that down. I mean, that's, if, if that's what you took away from this entire podcast, that would be a gold nugget for the rest of your life. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree because we I can't tell you how many clients have come to me and said some version of, I tried to set a boundary with my mother-in-law, but she still keeps commenting on my parenting. I tried to set a boundary with my boss, but he still keeps asking me to work late. I tried to set a boss with my husband about his drinking, but he still keeps drinking more than I would like. You know, whatever version of that, you know, I tried to set a boundary, but he or she keeps doing the thing. So let me tell you, flat out, he or she will keep doing the thing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really up to what am I willing to do to take care of myself in the process? So boundary, any boundary that is being crossed is because I am allowing it to be crossed. So we are the ones crossing our own boundaries, period. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, We want to go point the finger at someone else. We want to blame someone else. And when we blame, we are stuck in the victim mode. And when we start taking responsibility for our own experience, we are empowered. So 
we want to start looking at at what is happening in terms of in terms of our needs getting met because this is really this is really the conversation about boundary has to also begin has to begin with needs and unmet needs needs you know that are not being met and how am i trying to get my needs met by having someone else do something differently mm-hmm. because we cannot control what someone else does or does not do we can only control what we decide to do and most people so here's here's another piece of this the number one reason i hear from clients about why they don't set boundaries is they don't know what to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know what to say and most people think that setting a boundary is giving an ultimatum most people think setting a boundary is saying you can't drink this much mm-hmm. And really the language for setting a boundary is when you have more than two drinks at dinner, I feel uncomfortable. So if, if we can come to an agreement that you'll only have two drinks at dinner, great. And I'm just letting you know ahead of time that if you decide to have more than two drinks in order for me to take care of myself, I'm going to leave the table. So it's not, pointing a finger. It's not telling the other person what to do. It's simply saying, when you do X, I feel Y. And in order to take care of myself, I'm going to do Z. I love this. Will you you give a couple more examples of of the ways? Because if that's something that when people are saying, I don't know what to say, I'm not sure of the languaging behind it. Give us some more examples and other scenarios of what people can say. It is because I agree with you. It is so powerful and it's scary. I remember when I first started setting boundaries, I, my heart would race and I would be like, oh, I'm a bad person and I'm not going to be pleasing. They're not going to like me, all these things. And I just started right. practicing small and getting, you know, now I have no problem saying no. It, yeah. it used to be but, really and, hard for me. So the no, you know, that's the next example I was going to give. So I'm glad that yeah. you even went there because I do, I feel it. It is a great place to begin and mm-hmm. do it where the stakes are low at first. Like you don't have to go balls to the wall all out with like the biggest stakes, yeah. you know, but here's the thing. When most of us get into the habit of just a knee jerk, yes. And we give the knee jerk. Yes. When a request is made, we mm-hmm. mostly give the knee jerk. Yes. Because we don't want someone else to be angry. We don't want someone else to be disappointed. Or we want to show up, we want to show that we're the hero, that we can do everything and anything, that we're the one and the only one. If a request is coming in and it's not a deep desire, it's a no. So if we're doing something out of obligation, responsibility, I don't want someone else to be disappointed, I don't want someone else to be angry, it's a no. And I want to point out, I love what you're saying, because what the powerful moment there is to know that it, that that's what's happening for you is to slow down and not have the knee jerk. Yes, exactly. Which was exactly what I used to do. I'd be, it was like the automatic. Yes. So I, oh, I often felt almost irritable when people would ask things of me because I would have the knee jerk. Yes. Without stopping to think, is this what I want to do? How do I feel about this? Is this obligatory? Exactly. Am I, am I abandoning myself for connection? Exactly. Right. Well, All we have things. to build, right. We have to build in the space and that is a muscle we have to practice. Yes. Because so what, you know, what I tell my clients is if you can say no right out, right away, say no. 
But if you can't say no, if you feel the knee jerk yes coming, simply say, I will let you know tomorrow. Perfect. And then you're building in the space because then you're not reacting. The other thing is, you know, little things that we're never taught. Just because someone makes a request doesn't mean we have to answer. Mm -hmm. Someone else's urgency doesn't have to be ours. Yes. And yet we get so into that, uh, it really almost like compulsion. And we start to feed off of the energy of feeling like someone else needs something from us. So we need to respond or react. And the truth is we don't. We can Uh, respond or react in our own time. And so we have to buy ourselves the time. It is powerful. It is. And I want everyone listening to (laughs) stop and write these down. Okay. First, I will let you know tomorrow. How simple is that? But how often we don't do it. Give yourself some time and space to consider if you want to say yes. That is life altering. It's been a huge change for me. And then the other thing you said that I want to highlight, someone else's urgency doesn't have to be our own. Oh, that's so good because I I think you're so right. We often will, someone comes in with their intense energy, like I need it now. I need it now. Let's do this now. And you might not want to, right? So set the boundary of taking care of yourself and asking how does this land with me? Is this my urgency? Is, am I, there's so many ways to just slow it down. And I think that's the best way is just to slow it down and say, I'll get back to you. I don't know right now. I don't know if I can answer that right now. Take yeah. the day to think about it. You know, I, I it's, uh, love it. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the other thing I'll add in here about the no is that you, you can simply say no. Yes. And just no, no, period. You don't even have to justify or explain why you're saying no. And what I see time and time again is we think we have to apologize for our no. Yeah. We think we have to give it a song and a dance, a story, an excuse, a reason for saying no. And the truth is we don't. We can be gracious with a no. We can say something like, I'm so honored you invited me and I'm, I'm not available. Yeah you know, or some version of that, but it doesn't even have to be, I'm sorry. We're so quick to apologize when we don't need to. And we're so yeah. quick to give, you know, my, my dog, you know, ate my homework and my, you know, my, I have to take my son's yeah. go to the hospital and I have to do this. And I have to, you know, we're so quick to like find some excuse, find some reason. Yeah. So here's what that is doing. Once again, you're caretaking someone else's experience instead of your own. You're putting someone else's experience over yours. Because when we do, you know, back to like that, the knee jerk yes is the way we abandon ourselves because we are still other, we're other referenced. We're focused on someone else's experience and we're so used to taking the hit. We're so used to being in that place of, you know, ugh. I'll just do it. It's easier to just do it than to say no. And then that's when the resentment builds. Yeah. Because we all know what it's like to say yes and then think like two seconds later, how the hell am I going to get out of this? (laughs) This is what we are. This is what we are training ourselves. Yeah. And and that's a good indicator too. If you have that knee jerk, yes. And then a second later, you're like, oh crap. Be willing to show up and say, you know what? I rethought this. I actually changed my mind and decided I'm not going to commit to this for what, you know, and that's it. It's okay to backtrack. It's totally okay to course correct. Yeah. It's (laughs) totally okay to like check in with yourself later and be like, you know, I realized I said yes, but sitting with it, I realize it's a no. 
Yeah. I understand that this might be difficult for you. You know, you can, there are things, you know, you can add things in, but it doesn't have to be that it's, that it's in some way taking yourself into the one down position of creating shame for yourself. Yeah. No. You know, I want to add something here. I've noticed that when you interact with somebody who has really good boundaries, it is so relaxing for the other person because they know they can ask a question and you're going to get an authentic answer. It doesn't feel good to have people saying yes and doing things for you and then being resentful with you. Totally. It's not, you're not giving anyone a gift. You're damaging yourself. You're hurting the relationship. You're causing a whole bunch of wonky energy between the two of you. So when someone I know, you know, if I, let's say you and I are friends and I call you and say, Hey, you want to go to coffee and you don't have time, but you say yes, because you feel guilty. Then when we're at coffee, you're going to be sitting there resenting me. That's not enjoyable. It's not exactly. And I'm, I'm misdirecting my anger. Yeah. Yes. That's the other thing that we do because yeah. the truth of the matter is, you know, if I sit there and I'm feeling resentful, the bottom line is I need to take ownership of I'm feeling resentful because I crossed myself. Yeah. I yeah. said yes when I wanted to say no and I didn't stand in the courage and the confidence to take my own needs into, you know, in, into effect. And yeah. this is, you know, this is another piece that, I mean, this is, it's, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a metaphor and yet it's very literal for many of us. Yeah. So, you know, the invitation here is to take yourself into account as much as, if not more than you take other people. We're so used to setting the table with the fine china, the silver, the crystal, and serving up the big juicy steak and the big juicy tofu, you know, for <laughs> someone else. And then where are we? We're in the kitchen, standing over the sink, eating the crumbs, eating scraps. And so that, yeah. that's what ends up happening. We're so, so used true. to, we're so used to just taking what we can get or, or, or uh, only giving ourselves something in restriction or deprivation. Yeah. And so you know, I'm really here to say, you know, I want you not only to sit at the table that you've set, but I want you to sit at the head of the table. I want you to take yourself (laughs) into consideration more than other people. So in hearing this, you know, the response might be, isn't this selfish? And I am here to say that I am on my soapbox about reclaiming selfishness because so many of us have disowned this quality and pushed it so far away. And to loop back to what we were talking about near the top of the show, what happens when we disown qualities, we draw people toward us who have these particular qualities we've disowned to hold a mirror back to us so that we can become more whole and see the parts of us that we've let, that we've pushed away. So for me, uh, in terms of selfishness, what ends up happening is if we've disowned our selfishness, we start drawing toward us people who we're going to start pointing the finger at, he's so selfish, she's so selfish. And it's the invitation to look at how am I not selfish enough? And yeah. the truth of the matter is we are everything. So I am selfish and selfless. <laughs> you know, we are everything, but we have to give ourselves the full capacity to be all of it. I honestly see selfish. I see selfish self-care and self-love 
Mm -hmm. together. They're like three sisters who are supporting us in honoring ourselves. So I say, be selfish. This is so powerful because you're right. I think that a lot of people look at selfishness as narcissism and there's such a charge on the word narcissism, you know, and I go, I teach people, you've got to have a balance of narcissism and altruism because if you're all altruistic, you're going to be a doormat. If you're all narcissistic, people aren't going to want to hang out with you because you're never thinking of them in the balance of the two. You're showing up with equivalent exchange, which is you owning all parts and loving the selfishness within you because yeah. I think it's actually really narcissistic to not be selfish, which sounds very weird. No, but it's so true. It is so true. And you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, what I see too, you know, in, in the, uh, you know, like if you look at the narcissist empath mm -hmm. connection, narcissist empath relationship, yeah, that the way the narcissism shows up in the empath, is by thinking I can fix, I can heal, I can save. It's the uh -huh. grandiosity, so you know, true. it's the grandiosity of thinking I'm the one and the only one who can fix, save, heal, yeah. and rescue. Like martyrdom. The martyrdom, exactly. Yeah. Wow, it's so true. Yeah. I, I had a big shift in my thinking around this in the last few years when, I mean, I used to overly caretake, overly please, try to make everyone like me, which is impossible to do. And it caused a lot of mental chatter because everywhere I went, I was always trying to make sure I'm saying the right things, doing the right things, yep. being the right things, all of that. And really, as I stepped back and started looking at it, I was like, that's actually, it was very, very self-absorbed mm -hmm. and I couldn't show up authentically. Right. And so it made it so that I couldn't, because I wasn't being selfish enough and going, what, where do I fit into this picture? Yeah. What works for me? Who do I want to spend time with? I actually was constantly taking up space in a in an energetic way, and then resenting everyone around me. And, and it's so, exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> oh, it's it's. I mean, yeah. I it's been probably the best gift ever to let go of that, to learn yeah. and work on myself. To let, I didn't. It didn't just magically happen. No, I, I hear you because <laughs> you when know? we're when we're stuck in that loop of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay. Yeah. You no, know, we're anywhere but the present moment. We're yes. anywhere, you know, and we're exactly and we're concocting. Yes. You know, we're just constantly in this place of concocting some persona. And yeah. you know, ultimately, when we're living from this place of making ourselves packaging ourselves to be digestible to someone else, yeah. We oh. are so far away from our own authentic experience. Yeah. Which means that they can't have an authentic experience with no. you either. No, there's no intimacy. No. And I actually think that most of the loneliness, the epidemic of loneliness, isn't so much about lack of human connection or, you know, literal, you know, no human. It's really the lack of depth of human connection. Yeah. The lack of yeah. being able to actually, you know, let me bring the vulnerability of myself to you so that you can bring yours and we can meet in the sweet yeah. spot. It's, it's, it's showing all sides because you can be sitting in a room with a hundred people and feel lonely. Right. 
right? Like right. The, it's not about the people being there. It's about you connecting with yourself and showing up in a way where other people get to connect with you. And I think it's why, you know, I, I know you're a powerful coach. I think it's why my coaching is so powerful is because I show up and I re I'm revealed. I tell people I had an affair. I tell people my, my down, my sides that most people would see as your shadow sides and your dark yeah. sides or the things that you want to hide. They're like, Oh, thank you. That allows me to show up right. and be fully revealed. And yeah, it's, it's a like, huge gift. Right. The more, the more I show up in my humanness, yeah. the more permission everyone else is given to do the same. Yeah. And I will say for most of my life, my humanness was my least favorite quality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, it, 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 it has taken a lot. It has taken a lot to be able to get to the place of, to be able to stand in the full reveal. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big takeaway here too, is that this work is a lifelong process. I think that it is. And it's work. It doesn't just happen to you. I had, I think, you know, similar to your story, it's like you have this pivotal moment where you go like, crap, I got to make some changes because what I'm getting isn't what I I'm wanting to get. I don't know the answers. I don't know the whole path. Obviously the way I got here isn't how I'm going to get where I want to go. So I started seeking out everything I possibly could. And people ask me like, how did you change so quickly? And how did you do all this? I worked my buns off. Yeah. You know, I like, and I was willing to face my shit and really look deep and cry and sit in the pain and sit in the fear and, you know, honor the space between no longer and not yet. It's like, that takes that takes courage. It takes courage because what you're really doing is, first of all, you're building resiliency. Yeah. And so it takes the courage to know also that I am creating a scenario in which I'm shortening the recovery time for myself. Mm. And the mm -hmm. truth of the matter is that in that space between no longer not yet is where opportunity is born, where possibility is born. It's born in the not knowing. We're so attached to knowing. Yeah. And yet in the unknown is where options become available to us that weren't previously. Yeah. You know, and I think it, it just came to me when you're saying that. I think the knowing is that seeking of perfectionism. We want to know the plan so we can perfectly do the plan. Yep. And it's totally. Yeah. And where right. the magic happens is stepping into some a part of you that you've never thought you knew before, you know, yeah. where you go, who's this now? Who do I get to be now? And it's that, that growth curve. That's a spiral version, not just this straight linear path where you go, Oh, I'm always growing, always growing. Everything's great. It's all upward. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, like, even, and even just checking in with like, what's true for me today. Yeah. Like yesterday's truth might not, might not hold water today. Yeah. Let me see what's true today. Let me see. So what's powerful I go now. I love this. Okay. So if, if you had one takeaway from the book where you were like, if you get this download, we've already said so many gems here, but what, and I, I want everybody that's listening to get this book. It is going to be life altering. I, um, Nancy graciously sent it to me and I didn't know I had it. So <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. I've read all of her other books. They've been life altering. I have recommended them to countless people and they're, it's, you will change your reality if you actually read the books and do the action steps that are in the books. Everything will change for you. So um, share, you know, a big takeaway. And then, and then I want to know what your top three max potential habits are that you think got you where you are today. And you can do them relationally, personally, sure. business-wise, whatever you think are powerful takeaways for listeners. 
So I really, the, really the, the bottom line of the book and the, and the piece that I want everyone to really take away is that, is owning that it's you who's crossing your own boundaries. So it's ultimately about taking responsibility for your own experience so you aren't blaming someone else and staying in the victim mode. We have so much more power than we, than we allow ourselves to tap into. And I do believe that our power comes from taking responsibility. So from there, you know, really getting that when we set that when we set healthy boundaries, we are saying yes to ourselves. And every no we say to anyone else is a yes to me. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Oh, thank you. Okay. So tell us three max potential habits that you feel like are have been impactful in getting you where you are in any area of life or business. Yeah, I will say the first one is uh, staying in the listening. It, it is something that is that I think makes me a, a natural coach and makes and makes every every uh, interaction that I have even richer because I really enjoy staying in the present moment and being in the listening and it's about listening to what's being said and what's being unsaid mm-hmm. and this has helped me in business this has helped me in intimate relationship. This has helped me in, in all areas of my life, really staying in the listening as opposed to future tripping or, you know, going into some past pain, but just staying Mm -hmm. present in the listening. Okay. Uh, the other I would say is my, um, my evening and morning routine (laughs) that is, that is critical to, uh, my own, to my life, to my success, to my well-being. And quite, and quite simply, uh, doing, doing, knowing, knowing the way that I, knowing the way that I can optimize my time and energy best. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something too. And I'm happy to share, like, yeah, share yeah. I'm curious. I do a morning and evening routine as well. Yeah. I'm curious. What, what is yours? So my my evening is, and I'm, so I'm a morning person. I'm not a night person. So okay. I am often, I'm often like lights out by like nine 30. <laughs> okay. uh, so as before I go to bed, I put my phone into airplane mode. I take a very, very, very hot shower. I get into bed and I have a 10 minute sleep meditation that I listen to. And then I'm out like a light. Wonderful. Um, when I am, when I get up in the morning and I'm usually up five, five 30, um, I, it, first thing I do is meditate. After I meditate, I drink a large Mason jar of warm water with lemon then, and then I'll read and write in my journal all sort of happening right then and there. And then once all of that is complete, I will put my phone back on Wi-Fi and have my coffee. Nice. It's awesome. But, Boundaries, right? It's the even that is the boundary. The Wi-Fi turning the off Wi-Fi, is a boundary. This I've been doing this now for almost four years. It has I would literally say this is the number one practice I would credit 
Yeah. So completely shifting my energy when I wake up in the morning. I used to wake up someone who thought, what do, what do, what do I need to worry about today? Yeah. Yeah. What do I need to worry about today? Yeah. And instead you're priming yourself through meditation, journaling, relaxation, connecting with yourself to gear yourself up to be inspired all day long. Yeah. And sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's two hours before I put my Wi-Fi back on. And you know, the world hasn't come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my, my, my people in my life who are close to me know that even if something, you know, even if something horrible happens, I'll find out when I put my Wi-Fi back on. Yeah. yeah. Or even if something wonderful happens, let's, let's say yes. Both. Yes. I'll find out. <laughs> and fortunately, you know, I'm up early enough in the morning that, you know, my Wi-Fi is generally back on before like the rest of, you know, people yeah. are doing whatever. So it's not a big deal. But for me to wake up and not look at my phone and see all the notifications and not get sucked into yeah. anyone else's, anyone else's urgency, you know, yeah. it's like not mine. I'm going to do what I need to do for me first. That's powerful. I love yep. that. Try that out. Everyone yep. just for a week, try it out and see try how it you out. feel. See, see it. And then I would say the third thing is, um, is getting out in nature. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I live in Boulder. <laughs> I'm a big hiker. And it's really important to me to be able to get out, to get out in nature and, you know, just be out. What's your, what's your favorite trail in Boulder? I'm curious. <laughs> it's funny. I'm surprised I've never run into you because I'm out there all the time too. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. I, um, my favorite trail, so I can access from where I live. I can like walk 10 minutes and be on a few different trails. Uh -huh. So I often will go do um, Flagstaff or go over to Sanitas size. Nice. Yeah. So all of, like all of that trail system. I can just walk up yeah. like 10 minutes and I'm there. Every, every time I go out, I just look at the mountains and I, it's almost like this crying gratitude. Just, Oh, I love my life. <laughs> and I'm, so I know the same. And it's funny. Like I've lived in Boulder 27 years. I've never, like, I never tire of, yeah, me I never tire of it at all. Yeah, those are wonderful. Okay, yeah. so everyone this week, sit in the listening, practice a powerful evening and morning routine, and get out in nature. Yeah. Watch your life transform. Oh, this has been incredible. Okay, share with us the best places for everyone to find you. And I know that you have some fun book giveaway that I do. access. So share that with us. I do. So if you go to nancylevin.com slash new book. You can pre, you can order uh, setting boundaries will set you free, and you're also going to receive a a video workshop that's called Zen in the Art of Boundary Maintenance as a gift. So great, I love it. Okay, so for everyone listening, that'll be in the show notes. Of course, you can go to nancylevin.com for everything else, but if you want the free course, go to that link and you'll be able to download. Uh, yeah, order the book. It's when's the release date? January seventh. January 7th. Perfect. Okay. So you'll be able to pre-order the book and you'll get a free course. I'm sure it will be incredible. Thank you so much, Nancy. It's been incredible to have you here. Amazing gems. I'm sure everyone listening is going to want to rewind this and listen to it multiple times, write down everything you learn and start practicing with boundaries. You know, for my, my loyal followers, you all know that I've had a massive transformation in the last few years, and this has been one key 
me that has been life-altering. Boundary, work, loving myself, focusing on getting to know myself better. And when you know yourself better, you're, you're better able to set those boundaries. So this book will help uh, learn everything you possibly can about self-love, being selfish, knowing yourself, implementing practices and habits to create uh, a connected relationship with, your, with yourself where you can say no, not be a people pleaser and really step into your most self-expressed version that's empowered, connected, so that you can be whoever it is you wanna be in the world. That's my takeaway for today. And thank you, Nancy. And I'll be back next week, everyone. I hope you have an incredible week where you thrive and feel alive.